Welcome to the It's Complicated podcast. I'm Johanna Svensson, co-founder of the platform It's Complicated, psychologist working through the platform, and your host. Christmas just passed, and the best present I received were some watercolors. I haven't painted or drawn since I was 13 years old, meaning my skills, if I managed to develop any back then, have been hibernating for 20 years. But then, when my two-year-old took her nap today, I sat down and I drew and I painted for a while, and it was the most meditative experience I had had in a long time. I would even say that it felt like a testimony to the relationship between art and therapy, a relationship which has always fascinated me, and a relationship which is at the heart of this year episode, an interview I did with Berlin-based NYU-trained art therapist Migu. Enjoy your listen. So thank you so much, Migu, for wanting to talk with me today. Uh, can you just briefly introduce yourself and your work, what you do to the listeners? Of course, I'm happy to be here and thank you so much, Johanna. And uh, my name is Megu Kitazawa and I come from New York City, but I was born in Japan, Tokyo, and I lived there until I was 16 years old. And mm -hmm. I immigrated into the US to live with, with my dad who was already there. Um, and then uh, I became, first I became an art teacher and then became an art therapist and then became psychoanalytic psychotherapist later on. Um, that's just a summary of what I do and where I come, I came from. Yeah. And, and so what about your, your practice today? Are you a full-time art therapist or do you also save some time for just your own art and, and life? Yes, um, I try to be sort of a half-time therapist here in Berlin. Um, I have two kids, so that they keep me keep me busy. And also, I'm kind of like um, maybe because of the Berlin things, I'm becoming more creative, more expressive through art making process. Yeah. Um, so I decided to, to make my own stories and manga through manga art and the comics about my um, American immigration, sort of uh, immigrants experiences in manga. So like one by one, I'm working on it. But yeah. that was kind of new for me. Um, since I came here in Berlin, it just popped up in my head. Oh, I should do that. Wait, wait. So how long have you been living in Berlin? Uh, since 2017, so about four years. And, and how long have you been working on, on um, this manga series? And oh, it's just a year and a half. I just started doing it last year. So it's kind of fresh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I'm, I'm learning and doing everything. <laughs> and, and is this the first time you, you go in that direction, the, the manga direction? You know, manga is really a cultural phenomenon in Japan. So it's yeah. really like everybody reads it from a little kid to older adults. So it's in the blood kind of thing. So I used to draw mangas when I was maybe 10, 11, like, you know, like everybody else. Um, and then I stopped doing that because of the, you know, your busy life takes over. Um and then, yeah, well, my dream was to become manga artist. Okay. 
So then when you grow up, you forget about the original dream to become someone. That's so true. <laughs> I know, like a normal process. And then I was reading a book about um, by Susan Cain. It's called Quiet. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, because I'm kind of introverted and I'm not really, you know, socially adept <laughs> person. But that Quiet, the book was telling me a lot of things that just made sense. And then Susan King was talking about, oh, we all have personal niche and professional niche and some other niche that I forgot. But the professional niche for me is becoming our therapist. By personal niche, she said, well, you have to go back to your childhood. What did you want to be when you were a child? <gasps> and I was like, manga artist. <laughs> so, and then that book really, inspire me because I had a time in Berlin to read so many books and I was like yes and then I threw myself in and so you you said that first you were an art teacher in mm -hmm. in New York and and then mm -hmm. you became an art therapist so mm -hmm. so how did that process happen do you remember like when and how you knew you wanted to become an art therapist well in New York City I guess here too, you have to go into the actual school and you do the student teaching experience when you were in college. Yeah. And I was assigned to a school, my old school in New York City. And kids were rough. Kids were like outspoken, expressive, no respect whatsoever to the teachers. <laughs> so I was thrown into this environment as an art teacher, student art teacher. And wow. I was so nervous. And the kids will talk me bad. The kids will like leave my classrooms. It was like a mess. And how old were you? Oh my God. I, I was quite older when I came here to America. So my grades were two years behind than anybody else. But still, I was like 18. Wow. You were only 18 <laughs> and thrown into um, such a volatile <laughs> environment. So Challenging. Yeah. Very challenging. And I, again, I'm not really a spoken person in general back then, of course. And my professor at the college when I was uh, studying, uh, she noticed how I was struggling. Yeah. I was stressed out, basically. Uh, so she told me, well, why don't you read this book about art therapy? And then I read it and I, I said, well, in this way, I'll be able to get to know each person individually instead of grading the same kind of similar artworks, A, B, C, and Ds, and then um, you say goodbye to students, you don't get to know them at all. Yeah. So I kind of like the art therapy approach to get to know people through art instead of teaching art. Yeah. So that was my inspiration from my professor's suggestions. And, and do you remember what this uh, book was called? Uh... It's one of the Edith Kramer's work, um, Art Therapy with Children. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and then from, from, from then on, because that's pretty early, it seems that you made that discovery or, or, or that it's, switch. I, the discovery was um, fast, but then I, I still had a feeling that I want to be teacher. I want to be an art teacher. So I stayed on at the college, City College of New York, until I graduate. And a person, Edith Kramer, was also an art educator. So I said, oh, you know, I can do this. And then I applied for a graduate program, art therapy program at NYU. Um, and that was fine. 
Nice. And, and how, how was that program? It was very Freudian. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, very much psychoanalysis. Yeah. And talking about unconscious and counter-transference issues. Um, that was really, I was learning new languages almost. Yeah. Like I was like mind blown by these people. And so I had a di also a difficult understanding the whole philosophy and concept of psychoanalysis, and then using art com combination of those two and how does it work? Um, but I really like the sort of like um, cold snares, not flaky kind of things. Like when you think about drama therapy or art therapy, any creative art therapy, in my head, uh, people are dancing in the fire camp. Something like a really flaky in my head. And the people have that kind of misunderstanding. Oh, you guys are creative. You guys are, you know, yeah. spiritual in a way. But I didn't want to be that kind of art therapist. I want to be like a really strict psychoanalytic based art therapist because that was really popular back then in 1998. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and how like how how practical was it? What was the ratio between like theory and and um, practical work? I mean, master program was so intense. Yeah. Uh, and we had an internship like three days a week. I was working part time to earn my money, so I wasn't really thinking about how practical it would be. Like no. you don't have a time, you just yeah. get going. Um, yeah. But the physical internship program was really, really helpful for me. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, because again, that this shyness and the introvert was a challenge for me because um, even with the art therapy. Um, so yes, I was trained to see something in art. Yeah. Right, or I can sort of notice something, but I never learned how to say what to say yeah. during the art therapy session. So I was mostly completely silent during my art therapy session with my clients yeah. during the school year. So that's why I went to the psychoanalytic um, training to learn. Okay, how do I how do I express myself if I notice the counter-transference issue right now between us? How do I, how do I approach to the clients? what's happening right now in the therapy session. I didn't learn that in NYU at all. Okay. And, and that training, um, how, what, what, was that straight after NYU uh, or? No, I think I got hired right away at the internship placement. Yeah. So again, I was like, you know, busy, busy working. And then I tried the Psychonautic Institute maybe five weeks and I really loved it. It was an object relations institute in New York and yeah. they are focusing on, on um, clients and Winnicott and all the uh, object relations psychoanalysts. Yeah. Yeah. So I used that to relate to my clients and, and that was really helpful. Yeah. And is that, is that typical in the world of art therapy in, in, in Berlin um, to have art therapists who are psychoanalytical oriented and who are working with object relations or are you kind of like a niche therapist? I mean, it goes to the direction of that way, that way. But I changed, I was a psychoanalytic based and now I'm a little bit more adjusted to 
what the clients here in Berlin need, which is like, I don't know whether I should say that, but coaching is very trendy here in Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just shocked when I came here. I was like, wow. Like I was researching my art therapy and all that. How do I get in contact with other people? And I met a psychologist who would be like, no, you need to be a life coach here. I was like, what? <laughs> strange. <laughs> I mean, it was strange for me now. I mean, then, but now like, I understand why they're coming from. Yeah. Um, so I changed into some kind of uh, existential uh, art therapist who is like, we are focusing on here now. Yeah. And not about the past, not about your childhood, not about your childhood sexuality. Yeah. Uh, but I'm kind of able to combine that a little bit and then, okay, let's get into work. And yeah. art therapy is a work, not the luxury or entertainment. Um, so that's what I'm going for right now. So the object relation theory is more just in the background, kind of informing. Right now, yeah. 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 It was, yeah. That makes sense. And and how how would you describe the difference between doing client work in New York from doing client work in Berlin? Berlin, I'm most likely focusing on individuals um, instead of groups. And I might run a group next year, but I'm not so sure because I really love the one-to-one environment. Um, Online environment is pretty good for me. Um, So after the Corona pandemic, I was actually looking for an office. Um, But... um, after the lockdown, I said, you know, what am I going to do? And then online things just popped up and getting popular. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to try this. And it works so good for, for me and my personality wise. Um, so I love it. But in New York, it was um, interesting because I mainly work in the hospital settings and a psychiatric unit. Okay. So I met a lot of people, but I don't know for sure in here in Germany, but the um, uh length of stay there is very short in New York, two weeks at most because of the insurance um, issues and other things. So the turnover of the clients are really quick. So I I meet, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Two, three days later, oh, okay, you're getting discharged? Great. (laughs) So it was like like a laundry machine, which I like the paste. Um, Yeah, it was nice. And I had 10 to 15 groups a week. So, yeah, it was a lot. And then um, people changes all the time. And I had this kind of uh, support system in the hospital settings. Um, And going to art therapy was a privilege for the patients. Like, I really had to take medications and be calm. And so I had these filters after filter to be able for them to come to art therapy sessions. But when they are willing and want to come to art therapists, um, and work with our therapist and then I was like you know what I'll take a chance I'll take him yeah yeah and do you miss that support system actually because this makes me also think about now you're in Berlin you're in private practice it's it's also corona and there's a, a lockdown so so it it just enhances the 
challenges that private practitioners already have of like isolation. Um, and how, how are you experiencing this? I definitely felt that I don't have any contacts here in Berlin and I was reaching out, but there are also our therapists and our therapists are pretty busy. Um, so the contacts didn't last quite long, right? We just said, oh, hello, we meet again. and <laughs> We didn't do, do anything, but it's fine. Um, and also the networking, like I knew um, quite few psychiatrists in New York. I knew quite a lot of social workers that even though we don't know each other, I can just call them up and say, hey, I have a patient, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that you can prescribe medications for this person? Yeah. You know what I mean? Just the that kind of connections, even in a private practice, you can do that, you can expand it. But here in Berlin, I'm still working on it. I'm still like playing around with it. Yeah. So so it's it's uh it's in the making, some kind of net in progress, yes. Network <laughs> that can yes. support your work. Yeah. And speaking of of your your current work, how would you actually describe a, a typical art therapy session with you, especially now that um is it only online now or is it it's hundred percent online? Yeah. yeah. So poo. Um, so some people prefer in-person therapy, of course. Yeah. And that means um, they said, oh, I'm sorry, I prefer in-person therapy um, and I'll find some, somebody else. Mm. And that's fine. That's a, people's preferences. And structure-wise, I have 60-minute session, like, you know, and then um, it's it, for individual 60 minutes can be fine. And for group, I might have a 90-minute session. Yeah. So you start with, oh, hey, how are you doing? How was your week? Till that takes like two or three minutes. And then we go on a browsing phase. Browsing means that I'm shopping around what kind of things are they going to be making today and what stories I'll be able to kind of easy translate to images. So that somebody will say, well, I'm feeling so shitty, like a storm going on my face and stomach and heart. And I say, well, wait. Let's draw that storm. <laughs> so I'll be like shopping around. And if yeah. they don't know anything that they want, oh, I don't know what to do today. And then I'll give some kind of prompt. Yeah. So my favorite prompt will be, all right. So based on what you're telling me uh, in the path from the past, let's draw a bridge. So that simple is a bridge. And then yeah. they'll draw a bridge, da, 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 da. And then, okay, a bridge. What does it mean for your bridge? So most people say, oh, it's a transition between here and there. Exactly. So where are you? That kind of thing that the stories will move around and expand and then they can use imagination. And that takes about 20 minutes of time. Yeah. So it's quite some time to make art, but not enough. Um, because in a hospital setting, we had maybe 45 minutes of art making and 15 minutes discussion. So... so so, so there's, is there a clear separation? Um, no, there isn't. So there is no um, clear cut. You know, I'm looking at the time, 60 minutes, but it could be 15 minutes talking and 10 minutes are making and then 40 minutes discussion. It could be like that too. Okay. Um, and sometimes they don't make art. Okay. And we're just talking. Yeah. Yeah. And... 
are are most people who come to you already interested in art making do they have some kind of uh, experience with um, creative expression yeah that's about half and a half so half the people who are already using art as a professional art like graphic design um you know and then the other people are like a mixture between they used to do art but they stopped making or not motivate anymore but they are familiar with the art materials mm -hmm. and uh, the other one is can be like they're just curious how the art can be helpful to them dealing with the current present problems and issues that they're facing. Right. So when therapy works, when art therapy works, when your art therapy works, what, what is it then that, that works in your opinion? Right. Um, I thought about that and um, I'll say... So for instance, a new client came in and I'll see their work and ask them, okay, try to describe this artwork. And there's a, okay, there's a tree, there's a house, and there's a person, that's all. The, the description is really flat and concrete. And then it became, something happens later on like, that the story will come out. This house represents me and the reasons are da 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 and then the weather that you don't see in the artwork, they are imagining what's the weather like, who will be there, what kind of creatures around the house, what kind of trees, how old they are, what kind of gender the tree has. You know, that the story, the, naturally the, their imagination expanding and their stories, and they are trying to connect with me. Oh, what do you think, Megu? You know, that kind of questions, they're not just only into their focus on their art, they know they recognize my presence through the online screen. And that's really important. Um, and also naturally people have this ability to self-reflect from the beginning. Yeah. Um, they have been in therapy for a long time and they know the trick in a way. Yeah. Um, and then I'll look for a little bit more advanced uh, signs like um, they can ask me, um, okay, um, like more relational gestures and um, comments in the way like, um, well, I was thinking yesterday about my art that we did yes, uh, last week and I went to my parents' house and I showed them my artwork that I did with you. You know, it's very, very like other people are sharing people's art and then, you know what I mean? Just little bit more relational and um and of course like when they want to terminate therapy they want to like okay I'm ready I'm ready to go goodbye yeah they will talk to me first well I'm thinking about canceling or ending our therapeutic relationship what do you think you know not just disappearing without letting me know yeah. or I have to send the emails okay what's going on you're not showing up the therapy to therapy sessions where are you yeah they'll be like, including my presence to their decision-making. You know what I mean? Right, just... yeah. So, so, so it sounds like one of the key elements to what works in, in, in your therapy is both like unlocking imagination, but also like deepening 
already existing relationships right and and a more appropriate way to relate to other people yeah people want to cancel things right like (laughs) um subscription or anything that's easy to to cancel the subscription because you don't have to deal with anybody yeah therapy is we are in a therapeutic relationship it's actual therapeutic relationship and you need to include my presence and acknowledge my presence without it it just doesn't matter whether your imagination is fabulous and you can make a story out of art um yeah anybody could be doing that anyway yeah so so true the relational part is uh that's a piece that i learned from the object relations institute that you always had to include therapist presence in order to improve or progress and then that can be connected to the real world out there um, yeah so, so if this is what works in therapy, what would you consider the main limitations of therapy? Yeah, yeah I always say to my clients that I will, you know, like 50% your work and 50% my work. Um, so without their motivation and willingness to face their images and the artwork or to give a chance to our therapy relationship, um, any therapy or any self-help activities uh, might affect um, clients' progress and their growth. Um, yeah. So my practice is only online, which yeah. means when they have a technical questions or problems, I can't assist them physically, which I used to be able to. Like physical yeah. person will say, well, I'm using this clay and it's really bubbly. How am I going to be able to put the clay together and make them stronger? And I, I only could suggest to use the materials and I had to trust what they have at, at home to hold it together, these two, two pieces of clay. Yeah. Um, and I have no control over what they're going to be using. Yeah. Instead of like, I have this interesting materials to hold the p- clay pieces together and I can show you how. I can't do that anymore <laughs> in online. So that's kind of like, kind of sad in a way that I can't do it. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, giving them a chance to be self-reliable and depend, independent of um, art-making process. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I want to jump to something quite different because I, okay. I, because I just noticed that um, you also edited a book um, called, uh, called Asian Art Therapists. Um, with the with the subtitle navigating, navigating art diversity and culture yes something like that <laughs> yes. so tell me more about this how how it came about and how the process of editing was okay the um one of the editors from Routledge Taylor yeah. and Francis company uh, found me through the uh, conference program book um, by the um we have uh, the annual art therapy conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I was presenting a support group for Asian art therapists. And that was my second or third year um, providing the, the group. And uh, quite some people came and talking about, I mean, art therapy is a white female dominant profession. And yes. we are the minorities. Yeah. So we a lot of Asian art therapists came to my group and I said, really have that burning questions and concerns. 
in this organization and the way they work with the clients. And clients make a lot of um, racially provocative comments that they were struggling with that, especially when they're new to the profession. Mm-hmm. They didn't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So we talked about it, but we only had 45 minutes to talk about it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> let's keep going. We'll keep Like once a year group uh, for 45 minutes and they were like, oh my God, this is not enough. Can we do something more about that? So I said, you know what? I'm gonna ask for people to write about the experiences and um, because the editor approached me to write about it, why don't we do it? So that's how it became originally. Um, but the people in the guru support group wasn't one really participating in the book, but the, I reached out to other people. So they were more interested in writing than speaking about it. So, um, so I collected about 10 people. Yeah. And then it was difficult because that was my first time editing the book. And at the same time, I had to write a piece as well. So I used the lockdown time to <laughs> finish the book. <laughs> I had so many times. Uh, so that was kind of like um, practical time for me during yeah. the Corona lockdown. But it was so difficult. Um, what was the most difficult I, part? Well, I, I am kind of like control freak yeah. so if I lose the control <laughs> I get so irritated um, so uh, maintaining the theme as well as not to disrespect um, white people mm. um, and then people of color so that was kind of like I had to be really compliant with that but some authors are getting a little over the top so I had to tell them, okay, you need to tone it down. You have to be respectful. Um, and then they were all over the world. That was another thing. They were all over the world, mostly in the States. But yeah. I'm from Germany. The other person is from Taiwan, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't able to, um, I had to push the deadlines actually to accommodate everybody's um, busy life with the Corona. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was really the most challenging process of editing the book during the corona pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like next level moderation just and, and so many things to take into consideration also. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and were there parts of the process that also that that were so fulfilling that you could consider doing something like this again or is this your (laughs) view because every time I got this um each chapter also submissions and some of the stories are like so heartbreaking like I was like almost in I was crying like how how are we suffering like this as an art therapist and nobody know about this um and so that was really uh, fulfilling and painful journey yeah to yeah. see there and then know their experiences yeah yeah and and I can also imagine that that this kind of book can really be uh yeah like a savior for people who thought they were completely alone mm-hmm. yeah even um, though we only have uh, 10 chapters but I thought that um, people's reactions are really really warm and kind Beautiful. And um, 
are are you are you currently working on on any writing i noticed that you you do have an ongoing blog on your website by the way yes, i love I'm... your domain your art is wonderful <laughs> your art is wonderful.com that's yeah, brilliant thank you, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes uh, i am working on i try to do two blogs a month yeah uh, but it's because um, it's a holiday season it's getting a little busy with yeah. events and all that um i think that I'll do the two blogs a month on January. Um, yeah. But it's been really interesting to write uh, short articles um, on my yeah. blog. Megu, thank you so much for, for speaking with me. This was really fun. This oh, you're super, welcome. Super enjoyable. So um, thanks for having me here. Great. <laughs>